Welcome to Audience First, a podcast for tech marketers looking to break out of the echo chamber to better understand their audience and turn them into loyal customers. Every week, Danny Wolf has brutally honest conversations with busy tech buyers about what really motivates them, the things they hate that vendors do, and what you can do about it. Get access to practical information on how to build authentic relationships with your audience. Listen to and talk with your buyers and apply real customer insights to your strategies and tactics. You owe it to the world to unmute your mic. Are you ready? All right. Welcome back to another episode of Audience First. I have a very special guest as always. I have the one and only Eamon Elsawa with me today. What's going on, Eamon? Hey, Danny, how are you? I'm very well, staying dry, fortunately, after this week's shenanigans in the weather. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 good. That's good. I, I got to see you ha- Has it, did it head up and hit you all in the Bay Area over there? You know, there's some wind. There's some okay. wind today. I see saw dark, dark clouds. I'm like, oh, what's going on? But uh, it's got to be some remnants from, from down there. So uh, maybe we'll get that, some water too. That sounds like a regular, I feel like a regular Monday in the Bay Area. Some wind clouds. You know, and- yeah, a little. Well, not in the morning, you know. Yeah. It's very yeah. So we're a little dreary, but yeah, it's. Uh, let's see. Hopefully, we don't lose power during this uh, conversation. <laughs> Seriously, I know. Well, crossing fingers. Uh, worst comes to worst, <laughs> we do this again. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's dig in. Let's uh, let's kick it off. Uh, Amen. Tell me, who are you? What do you do? And why the hell do you do it? Well, uh, I was born in. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, so what I do, I um, I help people with security. Uh, that's that's been my mo apparently uh, for the years. But professionally, I am a fractional CISO for startups, and what that means is um, startups, you know, for whatever reason, we're not going to blame them. Uh, they don't have a reason to have a full time security person, right? It could be uh, you could call it a CISO, a security architect, whatever it may be, a compliance person. So I kind of come in, kind of like the security A team, hop in and kind of help. Um, leaders, non-security leaders with their security plan. Um, and uh, so that's that's what I do. Um, it's called fractional CISO. Um, a, a real, you know, full-time CISO is a person, a chief information security officer. That's someone who's responsible for security in an organization. Um, and so I do it on a, on a fractional basis, similar to fractional CTO or fractional CO as you see out there today. Mm-hmm. Why do you do it? What's your motivation for, for being a fractional CISO? Yeah, good question. So uh, it all started, you know, I was always helping startups on the side uh, when I was working in, you know, full time in, in enterprises. And I was helping startups on the side uh, with assessments and, you know, just advice. And I saw a long time ago, probably like seven, seven years ago, um, that there's a lot of startups that are just doing it wrong. <laughs> They're just doing it wrong uh, all over. And so, you know, I'm, I'm out there to help startups and companies stop doing it the wrong way, uh, do it the right way, make it accessible. Uh, there was this big need um, for having security. There was a thirst of having security knowledge and expertise, but there was no way for people to access it. Yeah, they can Google their face off. That's fine. But uh, with security, there's a lot of nuances that are particular to each company. And so you kind of need someone that has been there and knows, uh, can provide an expert opinion. Um, and, and these founders, all they want to know is, uh, you know, what should I do now and what should I do later? Right. Mm-hmm. So, you've been in the security industry for for quite some time, over a decade at least. 
Yeah. Yeah. Tell me. 15 years at least. I, I want to Depending know. who you ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I get it. I do want to know though, what do you hate most about the industry? What do I hate most? Uh, well, you know, uh, there's a few things. Um, so one is, um, so the industry itself, it's funny. I, I, in my podcast, I would make like spoof ads, um, uh, where mm-hmm. I'd make fun of the industry. Um, you know, everything is a silver bullet and we know that there's no such thing as a silver bullet. Um, so like, Oh, if you buy this today, it'll solve all your problems. And you know, that's, that's usually not the case. So um, my qualms with the industry are one, the curmudgeons, right? The curmudgeons, the old, the old um, school of thinking where, you know, it has to be this way, can't be any other way, uh, which inspired me to write an article um, that cybersecurity is not black and white, it's 50 shades of gray, basically. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then the other part is, um, you know, we're, again, we're just... You know, there's a lot of so so much like whiz bang and like okay, you know, buy this and it's gonna solve your problems, um, and you know, we're not really um, a lot of times we're more solution oriented and not really problem oriented, right? So you know, with learning product management over the years, I've kind of learned that you have to understand what the problem is first before you apply a solution, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of folks, experienced or not, just kind of apply solutions without really solving the problem. You know, or or looking at what the problem is. I mean, you know, take something simple as like phishing. You know, like what are we trying to do? Are we trying to get more clicks on on our on our on our baity tests, or are we actually trying to help people? You know, not click phishing links. So you know, what are, what are we trying to? But anyway, I digress. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So right now, as a fractional CISO, what's your one bleeding neck challenge? What's my bleeding challenge as a fractional CISO? Uh, just getting, getting all the. Um, I guess the, the main challenge is just getting information uh, to folks out there. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of people out there that are searching, trying to understand. They're very frustrated, and just getting the information out there for them to be able to develop a path, um, so that I can put my job, put myself out of business. So. You know, yeah. That way. Well, why is it difficult to get information to people? Uh, it's it's actually gotten a little better, but yeah, there's a lot of. I mean, you know, it's amazing now. Like YouTube, there's there's so much uh, information out there. It's actually gotten a little better. Uh, yeah. you know, um, through news security newsletters and and YouTube channels. Um, but you know, there's a lot of mix between vendors. You know, and everybody kind of has their own uh, priorities. Um. I don't know if I've seen a resource. There's, there's been some resources about like, you know, just here's how to go from zero to hero. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, I think it's just figuring out your audience, you know, uh, for me, when I write, I like to distill it down and make it very simple. I, I like to de- demystify it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think a lot of people when they're communicating out there, assume some level of security baseline. I assume nothing. I assume nothing when, when people are coming out there. So I don't know. To answer your question, uh, I'd have to think about it for a second. You know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we could always go back to that. You could always uh, hit me up after and uh, let me know what you what you thought about there. But sure. so so right now as a fractional CISO, and you you, you note that you're a fractional CISO for, for SaaS, right? Is that yes. your niche? It's your bread and butter there? Yeah. 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 SaaS companies. Um, I don't deal with on-prem. <clears throat> mm-hmm. 
or I don't like to. I mean, you know, I, I like to, I, I kind of, I, I like to help people, but um, I specialize in SaaS. Uh, they have a particular way to solve problems. They have a particular mentality. Um, I've been cloud focused since like 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, ever since I, you know, worked on an incident in AWS, I'm like, this is cool. And I, I'm like, I didn't look back. So yeah, I just cloud focused uh, everything. So what's your ultimate goal? Like, what are you trying to achieve as a fractional CISO? Let's say you come into to your latest and greatest client. Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, I, I realized that, you know, the fractional CISO business is still linearly uh, scalable. So um, there's a limitation there. Uh, there's some good shops out there, but, you know, at the end of the day, they, you just you still have to keep throwing bodies out there. I think... You know, for me, it's taking it to the next level through, you know, um, education, media, uh, helping folks out there just really get technology like ChatGPT now. Um, you know, it's funny. Some people are saying, you know, you don't need a VC, so or actually just use ChatGPT. Well, you know, I encourage it. Go ahead and ask it, you know. But of course, just like any anything in, in AI, you have to understand how to ask the prompt properly, right? So how to ask the right questions and things like that. So um yeah, I mean, go, go for it. But at the end of the day, you're probably going to need like personalized. So at the end of the day, for me, what's what's for fractional CISO? Um, just just getting out there, helping others. A lot of there's a lot of uh, senior CISOs out there that want to become fractional CISOs. They're done. It's so funny. Um, I talk to CISOs and they're bored in their jobs. <laughs> they want to really? be fractional. Yeah, yeah, they want to be VCSOs. I'm like, what? Really? I'm like. You're like at the pinnacle of, 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 uh, you know, so it's interesting. Uh, the grass is always greener on the other side. So there's a wealth of, uh, experienced CISOs out there that are looking to help give back to, you know, smaller startups. You know, they've, 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 they're, they're kind of, they did their tenure. I, I've noticed that like, it takes about two to three full-time CISO tenures about of an average of a total of about nine years for them to kind of like decide to want to do something else, go sailing around the world mm. or go farming or honey, go raise honeybees. Um, so I have honeybees as well. So, um, really? but yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I raise bees. Um, Interesting. yeah, they're, they're a lot of work, but they're, you know. I could go, I could go down so many routes right now based on everything you've uncovered right now. Well, um, yeah. I, I do want to ask in your opinion, why do you think it is that, um, you know, in-house, uh, CISOs are getting bored? of their job and wanting to go the fractional route? Uh, they want to do something new. So I think fractional is, is one outlet uh, because they still want to, you know, do security, but they're, you know, uh, depending on the job, you know, being a CISO can be hard. There's, there's, it's well known that there's a whole, uh, there's a high incidence of burn burnout yep. in the industry. When you're a fractional, when you're a consultant, any consultant, right? When you come in, you're brought in to be the expert. People listen to you. <laughs> People listen to you. They're paying you premium premium dollar to to tell them to give them right advice. Mm-hmm. So uh, of course, you know you have to be a good culture fit, right? So you know you can't take the enterprise mindset and apply that to a startup. And that's where I, I do see a lot of uh, people trying to get into the fractional CISO field fail because it's not a good culture fit. Just like any hiring, uh, you have to have the right culture fit. So you can't apply enterprise mentality uh to a startup startup needs to go needs to mvp of security right interesting yeah if they need a policy set they don't need like 
120 pages of policy documents, right? They need like 12 or, you know, yeah. 20, whatever it may be. They need the minimum viable. So understanding startup mentality. Uh, and as an entrepreneur, it, that I've learned that. I've had to learn that on my own. Um, and so I, I, like, I can relate to founders. I, I like that. That's why I love working with startups and, and founders because they, they know. Um, I, I feel like we, we kind of speak the same language aside from security. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because you're starting to uncover uncover some differences between the fractional CISO and the enterprise CISO. But I want to drill down into that a little bit deeper. Sure. What, in your opinion, really truly differentiates uh, a VCSO? And again, I'm going to use these terms interchangeably unless it's completely inaccurate to do so. The VCSO and fractional CISO, if there are differences there, well, no. Well, actually, yeah. I mean, I, I could I could talk about it. so. I've actually moved away from the term VCSO. Okay. Lately, uh, and I use fractional CISO because at the end of the day, I'm still the main security person at a company. I help them with incidents, mm-hmm. policies, compliance. So I talk to their clients or you know their enterprise partners. Um, for some reason, over the past few years, uh, you know, I, I listen. I mm-hmm. I've been work. I've been. I had the VCSO term conjured up since like seven, you know, eight years ago, like a long time ago. But I couldn't get. I couldn't get traction. Um, now everybody's using that term, but unfortunately you have like just any old person hopping in and, um, become, becoming a VC. So, and, and, um, the thing is like, it's, it's, it's built a a negative connotation in the industry, Mm -hmm. uh, the word VC. So, because, you know, they're not real CISOs. Well, uh, for some people, yeah, they're not, they don't have the experience of leading security at a startup. They might be a, they might have been a security analyst for a couple of years and then decide they want to help a startup uh, or a security engineer, right? They haven't had the full gamut of experience before hopping into the VCSO role. And, and that's the thing. The VCSO isn't necessarily someone with a CISO experience. The VCSO can be a, a security, uh, a part-time security analyst, part-time security engineer, part-time security architect, part-time compliance manager, all that in one. And I've had to, you know, when I'm working with startups, I have to be all that, you know, uh, at any point in time. Um, not so much the security analyst or engineer anymore, but, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a geek at heart or, you know, so I like handling tools. And, and so I don't do that anymore uh, necessarily, but I, I do like to, you know, geek out where I can. Mm. So I digress. So, um, yeah, so I, I personally use fractional CISO, but you're more than welcome to use VC or fractional CISO, whatever you like. I, I um, just want to I just want to use so the, I, I won't use any term because I will use the term that resonates with you most. Right. Oh, no, no. Uh, if you, if but you I wanted define to let as people a, know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. To, your, to your point, this is this is the, the point of this specific segment is is understanding the differences between fractional CISO, VC, so and even in-house CISO for, and, and those could be segmented also by in-house CISO for small enterprise, small business, yeah. enterprise. Does that also apply for VC so and fractional CISO? Like, I feel like, I feel like we need to create some kind of like matrix here, Ooh, right? And then, I and then there's also, there's also like, if you take a, a look at the CISO archetypes, right? What kind yeah. of CISO are you? Does that apply also for VC so and fractional CISO? So, I mean, this is really interesting. I mean, what? Let's. I guess we could. Let's break this down. So, what differentiates a VCSO from a fractional CISO and an in-house CISO from, let's say, the daily tasks and the strategic. Let's say from the strategic focus. Let's start the strategic focus. 
Okay. Is that is that too high level of a question or do we need to get a little bit more specific? Maybe. I think we could define the different, maybe we help define different types of CISOs. Okay, let's do it. There's so many different types of CISOs. So, um, you know, you have CISOs at a public company or, mm-hmm. a, or a private company. And I think I think what makes a CISO is where they report in the, in the organization, which which is directly correlated to how much leverage, or I don't want to say power, but like leverage or power that they have. Uh, you know, do they have a dotted line to the board? Do they report to the CEO? Uh, are they reporting to the to the CTO? Right? You know, we all know that if the CISO is reporting to the CTO or CIO, they generally don't have that much leverage, and it's usually a conflict of interest. There are exceptions where it's worked out really well, yes, uh, but it's that's a general well known. And so, um, uh, in fact, there's there's some trends right now because of the economy and whatnot, that they're letting go of CIOs and having CIOs report to the CISO. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So that's quite interesting. Um, and then, you know, um, and, and then the SEC with all its rules and, and stuff like that kind of like didn't really make CISOs required. You know, it, it kind of like, it was a little vague, unfortunately, but um, I digress. So yeah, and then there's deputy CISOs, right? Like you could have like a global CISO and then like deputy CISOs, business CISO <laughs> or business ISO. Like there's all these like yeah. different uh, things. So mm-hmm. um you know, the, the there's a lot of, there's a lot of work required for a uh, a CISO. Um uh some CISOs don't have physical security, some do. Uh some have IT, some don't. Some have security operations. You talked about um some some of the uh, strategic uh, focuses of the in-house CISO, but what, in your opinion, differentiates the fractional CISO, the VCSO, and an in-house CISO strategically? Sure. So the fractional CISO or VCSO, we could use it, we could interchange it. It's fine. Um, you know, they're 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 a hired gun. They're helping a company uh, on a part-time basis. Uh, sometimes they're helping a company. Um, they may, they may be juggling multiple clients, so they have to have some sort of, they have to have, um, a, a consultative approach. So I think number one, if you're ever going to go out there and, and become a, uh, a VCs or a consultant, it's much different than full-time work, right? Where you, you have to be, you know, very consultative, hold people's hands, explain things, have high EQ, emotional intelligence. Uh, these are all things that are super important. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it's funny cause, um, anyway, I digress, but, um, so, uh, these are things that are important. So you, you might be juggling multiple clients or you're focused on one and which mm-hmm. is fine. And, um, you're working, you, uh, sometimes have the same, you know, role, cause you're at a smaller company. So things are done at a smaller scale. Uh, you may have the same leverage as a regular CISO, you know, you may be working with the CEO, uh, they, you know, if they like, they might bring you in to make a board presentation or whatnot, but generally you're not, uh, mm-hmm. with, with, with a fractional CISO or VC. So you're kind of, you have less influence generally, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because you're always seen as an outsider. Uh, we have less influence company wide, uh, with a grain of salt In some companies, they really welcome you. And they want you to like, for me, I include like, you know, live trainings and I, I, I do all this stuff, um, you know, cause I think addressing the culture of a company is really important. 
And if you've built a culture of security, uh, then I, and in any job, if you've done your job correctly, people are going to come to you and say, Hey, am I building this right? Is this done securely versus you having to run after them? And I, I think that's the best measure of whether you're doing a good job or not. Um, I feel like I feel like that could apply for for in-house as well though. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh-huh. 100%. 100%. Yeah, it's universal for for all different kinds of seasons. Yeah, right? there's there's actually a lot a huge amount of overlap. Uh the difference is just the technicality as far as like, you know, where you are in the organization, who you mm. report to and gotcha. logistics from that perspective. So, if you're working with um multiple clients, right? How do you prioritize security budget? especially when there are different areas of need. Yeah. Um, so when you're like, so when you're a fractional CISO, um, that you're, you know, you're a majority of their budget. So it depends on the company's maturity and where you want, where they want to go. Um, if you're coming in to just keep the lights on, right, then there's not going to be much security budget. Um, if you're coming in to help them, improve the maturity, then you're going to, you know, want to convince them about security budget. Uh, obviously, if you're a fractional CISO or virtual CISO, you are part of the budget. You're like going to be a big chunk of that budget. Right. Um, but depending on where they want to go. Right. So, you know, I, I, um, I have a, you know, I've had some larger clients that have graduated through my program. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I came in, kept the lights on. And then at some point we decided to hire and grow the team. So I, I kind of gave them, I mean, the, you know, most companies, the majority of the budget is, is people, right? Yep. Um, they also want to know what tools do we need at mm-hmm. what stage? So, you know, there's a base level of tools like, you know, uh, malware defense and, and just it management. You'd be surprised how many companies are not managing their devices properly, mm-hmm. uh, or just basic it stuff. So a lot of the budget in the beginning is a lot of just basic it stuff password managers like this is all standard security awareness programs uh password managers and you know mdm slash malware uh tools that's like basic (laughs) level and and um so companies want to know from someone like me like a freshly so what do i need now Mm -hmm. what how much should i you know uh, can you help me pick a, a software you know so i'm like okay let's take a look at your you know we'll go through a whole like assessment mini assessment uh, what kind of computers do you have? What's your, are you global, remote, in-person, stuff like that? Do you even have like key cards on your, on your offices? Like what's, you know, what's your risk profile? What's your, do some threat modding base basically. And then based on that, we come up with a budget. Uh, but then other companies, when they're looking to really uh, accelerate their program, they want to hire. Mm-hmm. I've helped hire CISOs, right? So they're like, okay, how much should we pay the CISO? I'm like, well, here's what the market, you know, uh, here's what the market's looking for. This is the range I would recommend. Uh, I also give them recommendations on on organizationally where they should fit, and then key like here's this is your company. You should look for these kind of uh, you know similar company experiences mm-hmm. and stay away from this. For example, mm-hmm. uh, yep. I know that's not budget, but uh, yeah, you know personnel is 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 budget. You know um, that's that's a lot a lot of it. They want to hire a security engineer. Um, you know, they, should we hire a security engineer? Should we hire an engineer and give them? you know, 50% security responsibility. I mean, that's like a lot of the budget questions yeah. that I've had to deal with. How do you measure success? No, that was, that was a great insight. How do you measure those success 
of of the security investment for for the startups or their initiatives? What what's kind of the metric that that you're measuring and crucial for your role? Yeah, uh, one of the big successes is security culture. Do we have okay. a good security culture? Uh, am I, uh, you know, uh, one is have we built a good security culture for people to report uh, or identify security issues? Right? Do they know like? Uh, are they reporting suspicious emails and things like that? On the other side, do we have the right capability to respond to those kind of things, right? Have we built that capability? So response and operations are a huge thing. Um, you know, do we have someone that's triaging? Do we have an email? Do we have a security at for the company, right? That's an RFC out there. Do we have a security page? All these things are like, you know, base level uh, in my operating manual for like a company. Like these are basic things, you know? Um, are we getting less questionnaires from enterprises? Um, you know, are we, if we're trying to do compliance, are we on the road to getting compliance or at least, you know, getting there? You mentioned something very, uh, you know, compelling to me, security culture, and that you have these specific criteria for checking off the box that we are aware we have the culture it's externalized can you take me through that again kind of a a high level checklist of what should be externalized for people to understand that there is a security culture internally yeah 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 so from an external point of view um i always recommend every company to have a security page so mm -hmm. you know acme.com security mm -hmm. and um that should list the things that you're doing from a security perspective uh, with also a PDF at the bottom that, you know, someone could download. Uh, that PDF is something that you should be giving to your sales folks on outbound calls uh, with your product to uh, what I call be go on the security offensive. So, uh, you know, attach some security uh, material with your product so that the business person on your client side, on the enterprise that you're selling to or a partner or whatnot, uh, can give that to their security team, say, hey, this is what this company is doing from a security perspective. Um, as a buyer, right, if I'm a buyer of a product, I'm always looking for like that security page. You know, I want to know, is there a security page on this company a website? Uh, mm -hmm. Because what that tells me, what that, what that signals to me is that they've taken the, the, the time to make this page. Mm -hmm. uh, I can read that page and read all the stuff. I mean, I'm assuming it's true. But, you know, there's some thought that goes into putting this page together and, 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 and assembling it. So that gives me a better warm and fuzzy than uh, a company that does not have it. Uh, same thing with privacy policy, all that kind of stuff. So I think that's super important. Um, you know, there's tools that help automate that kind of stuff as well. Uh, I have some examples that I, you know, give to my, my clients as well. Uh, good examples of, of other pages. So. I think that's a that's a from an external perspective that helps so much. And with with SaaS B two B SaaS, like you really need that because um, you know people are looking at your product every day on your website, and they want to know the security team is going to be looking at that. And uh, it could it could be the difference of you know well I don't want to say that, but like they're going to send you a questionnaire. But if you have a lot of information already available for them, right? Um, Heck, even taking it one step further and fill out, uh, uh, it's called a CAIQ, C-A-I-Q questionnaire, or some, uh, a similar one. Fill out a, a questionnaire uh, that has all this stuff pre-filled already and make, give that to potential customers under NDA, of course, 
mm-hmm. uh, so that you can avoid having to fill out all these questionnaires. The questionnaire industry, that's coming back to like, what's the problem? You know, this whole checkbox mentality and questionnaire like, you know, CYA, it's it's become such a big mess. And, and now the insurance companies are on top, like, it's just a big mess. But anyway. You mentioned as a buyer that that the security page is one particular, you know, component to the decision criteria. Are there any other criteria you look at to move them from, okay, I know they exist to, okay, let's actually evaluate and take a look at the product or solution or service? Yeah, well, in, in general, uh, I'm always going to be assessing the company's security. So um, aside from the actual product itself and its functionality, uh, mm-hmm. I also want to know where where is security in its organization? Like, do they have someone? That's actually a, qu- a question often on these questionnaires. Who do you have? Do you have someone dedicated or responsible for security to your organization? And so I'm always going to be looking for that uh, when I'm talking to a, a, when I'm trying to assess a product security. Uh, is it just a VP of engineering? Uh, do they have a security hire? Mm-hmm. You know, a full-time person? Do they have, do they have someone responsible for security there? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, is it, you know, a lot of times it's just a VP of engineering <laughs> yep. and, you know, it's just part of there. So, you know, that's going to tell me this, the level of security maturity uh, of the company. Uh, if they have someone uh, part-time, full-time dedicated to security or not. And then from there, I, I could tell a lot about what they're going to have. Of course, I want to look at other things like their secrets management and, and you know, do they have some solid CICD. Um, when I was, when I was a buyer, I, I used to go deep and, and ask a lot of questions and they're like, nobody ever asked these questions. I'm like, well, that's, that's, that's their problem. Not mine. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I like to go in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, these are, I, I don't know if I think that does that answer your question. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Are there any, um, <clears throat> pardon me. Are there any differences or anomalies right now in the market that vendors can learn from or take advantage of to stand out? Mm. That's a good one. Um, so there's a couple things. I mean, um, everyone's trying to, right now the market is tough, right? For a lot right. of folks. And, um, there, I've see, I'm seeing companies take a couple different approaches. One are the, is a PLG approach, product like growth, where they have the freemium or freemium model and trying to accelerate that way. The other one is just going towards enterprise. Um, what could they do to differentiate themselves? I mean, honestly, what saves me a lot of time, and I would love to see more companies have on their on their website, is like show me what it looks like, like without mm-hmm. having to book a call. Like I'd like to see the interface. But you know, I understand you know from a competitive nature that could be an issue, but fine. Like, you know, I'll, I'll give you my email. Just show me the a video, like a demo walkthrough. So I don't have to like, you know, um, necessarily book a call. I could see the interface. Like I could tell a lot if by the UI UX and like some functionality, but you don't have to show me everything. You just give me a snippet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some different, that, that could be some differentiators, but uh, I'm not a marketing expert. Um, so I don't know what else could be done? I think, um, you know, we all know that the basic testimonials and all that kind of stuff, but I'd love to see the product. Like, what does yeah. it do? Like, let's, let's, let's shy away from all that, like animated whiz bang videos and, you know, like 
I'm good. I'm tired of it. I'm tired. <laughs> I want to yeah. see more meat, you know? Can you recall a time when you've landed on a website that has given you a good experience like that? Oh, let's see. I don't know. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So we have some, we have some work to do folks. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. I, we're gonna um, we're gonna head into the my favorite part of the the podcast episode. And wow, we covered a lot. But I do want to know. So this is this segment is called the shit list. I do want to know what's the worst thing you've experienced from a vendor. What's the worst thing? Yeah. Wow. Um, I don't know if I've experienced. I mean, it's been a while since. Uh, I guess what's the worst thing? Right now, it's more partners. So I, I partner with a select number of vendors. Mm -hmm. um, there was one person that like commented on my LinkedIn post when I posted um, something about security awareness training, and like it was a very snarky and like passive aggressive comment. He was a, he was a competitor, mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, well, that's kind of unprofessional. Yeah. Um, you know, especially cause I was trying to partner with, with, with his company, but, um, you know, and I think they were actually a partner, but like, he was just really jealous. I'm like, listen, man, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, I, I'm very transparent. I'm partners with multiple people in a particular niche. I don't partner with everybody. Right. Uh, but I found that comment kind of weird. Um, mm -hmm. and I didn't work with that company again because of that comment. Um, so yeah, I I would say let's see. You're saying what's the worst experience I had with a vendor? Yeah, I mean it 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 could be a vendor, it could be a partner. You know, we're trying. I'm trying to extract uh, a poor example that we can flip on its head, mm. right? Because because these things are prevalent. Like I've I've heard this experience before from somebody. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've been lucky. I've been lucky. Like I I um, I. I hand select my, my partners, uh, mm -hmm. that I, you know, and, and they all, they're all pretty cooperative and, and good. Um, so, I mean, I'd have to think like back in my, I mean, you know, we all know like the, just the hounding of the emails and, and yeah. you know, just keep sending a, a million persistent emails are just like, yo man, leave me, leave me alone. Um, yeah. there is that. Um, I don't know. I have to recall, I have to see what, what's um <laughs> i mean that's fine if there's nothing specific that's a good that's good deal right there but if there's so let let it let us flip it right let us flip it yeah. on its head is there a specific time that you can recall uh where a vendor did something that made you feel really good what worked for you ah um oh by the way i do have i do have i do have a, a uh a vendor shit list yeah um sorry <laughs> is it okay to bring it up yeah or, all right so yeah it definitely what's not cool is not being responsive like you know as i have certain partners um that you know software that i'm selling and like when when customer support is is not responsive and you're taking like a week or two weeks to solve a problem that's like that's not cool right like we're under we're under tight deadlines and, and and not being able to solve things that was that's not great 
Mm. Um, so that's that's been the bad experience that I've had with vendors is that their customer support. It's funny, like when we're evaluating uh, vendors, uh, I was working with one of my one of my one of my clients to evaluate, and we actually saw that like okay, this one has twenty four seven support. This one only has like nine to five, very limited support. It's only like via chat, mm-hmm. um, you know. But we like their product a little better, and sure enough, like their support was really bad. Like it just yeah. takes a long time to get a response and and whatnot. So trying to wonder, you know, okay, are we better off with maybe uh, a product that doesn't have the UI UX that we want, but like has twenty four seven response, you know, because. When you're when you're in a crunch and you know you're working with uh you know my clients are all non-security experts right so I'm the only one in the room so they're coming to me so mm-hmm. the better that they can service my clients the better the less loaded of it is on me right and it and it looks better for me too right? it looks doesn't you know yeah. so that's that's been my experience uh, on the flip side uh, a good experience that I had recently was uh, a vendor overpromised something turns out it was not included with the with the with a package and i'm like and and is my reputation on the line i had to tell the customer hey by the way this is not included even though on the contract i wrote that it was because that was what i was told and um i was stressed i was like what's gonna happen here and i'm like yo dude you need to you need to escalate this and 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 take care of this, and they came through. They came through, and they included that that product with the service, and uh, that's great. You know, that's that's that shows that's good business right there, right? That's good business. Um, they're not going to leave me hanging, right? They're not going to leave the client hanging. Um, the client then, you know, uh, uh, you know, saw that you know it, it worked. Every, everybody was happy at the end of the day. So I think that's that's a good experience. Um, I think there needs to be more of that where um, it's less transactional. You know, I'm really, really uh, allergic. Um, actually, I, I have a very, uh, I'm not a transactional person. I'm all about the relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of transactional things out there, right? And so I kind of like see this and... Um, I, I can identify it and uh, I just, you know, it's just a, a thing to be wary of when, I, when I'm out there in the security world. Yeah, 100%. I love that. Uh, I've heard that before. Um, going the extra mile gives you the extra mile. So I'm all about that as well. Uh, we are headed towards the end of the session. So Eamon, I do want to know, is there anything else you want to impart on the audience today? No, um, really looking forward to, you know, um, yeah, I really appreciate the time and, uh, you know, uh, go ahead and check out Coffee with Eamon and, you know, uh, from there and, you know, looking to help continue make cybersecurity expertise accessible to more people, you know. Um, right on. So, yeah. Right on. So tell me, where can people find you, Eamon? Uh, you know, uh, I think basically coffeewitheamon.com is... Mm-hmm the main place um, right now uh, or last week as a VC. So, so I have a newsletter where I give weekly guidance uh, to folks. Uh, so last week as a VC. So uh, com, and then I have some courses coming out. So I'm trying to figure out where that's going to be. Um, and so let's just keep it at coffee with or LinkedIn. You know, LinkedIn is LinkedIn. a great place. 
Yeah. Awesome. And at the next uh, big show. Yes, yes, yes. Look out for me um, with the microphone and and the camera. So, yeah. Amazing. Well, Eamon, this has been an absolute pleasure. You are welcome to the show anytime. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. And I, I love your questions. So, uh, you. you know, really thought provoking questions. And it's good to have good humans uh, in the cybersecurity field like you. Uh, because we need more of that <laughs> and less of, the, less of the curmudgeons. So. <laughs> yes, I appreciate that so much. Thanks again. This has been another episode of Audience First. We are out. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Audience First. If you like what you've heard, feel free to follow or subscribe to Audience First on Apple, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast streamers.